Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello, and welcome to episode 104 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. I hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas celebration if you're celebrating Christmas. As I shared with you guys, we just returned from a, a long trip in Patagonia. So we stayed home and it was very relaxing. And I think I'm going to be home for New Year's. And this episode actually goes live on the New Year's Day. That's why I thought it would be a perfect opportunity for us to talk about sex resolutions that you can set up for following year. Don't panic. I know when people think about New Year's resolution, they get this fear of, oh my God, I've done it for how many years that I lived and I always felt. We're going to talk about what to do, what not to do, and how to get to the goal that you have. This is a solo episode. And before I go in and dive in in this topic further, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of feedback about how to leave your questions. As you know, you can leave your questions or your feedback on our website, which is sexologypodcast.com. When you go to the homepage, you see a blue tab that you can click on it and record your voice. And I'm the only one who will hear the voice. Obviously, it's not confidential the same way that would be confidential in my practice and my voicemail. But most likely, I'm the only person who listens to those audios. So if you have a question, please feel free to put it there. Depending on the topic, I can answer it or I might invite a guest that might know about the topic more than me. But I would love, love to answer more of your questions. So head over to the website and record your questions. But if you want to work with me or you want to talk about something, you can just call my practice number, which is 310-600-9912 to make an appointment. Because what happened, I got several voicemails from you guys in the website that you guys wanted me to call back, but there's no way for me to know your number or because, because I set it up in a way that it would be semi-confidential. So unless you tell me I'm Joe from Australia, I don't know who left the voicemail. And a little bit side note about the questions is you can leave it anonymous, but if there's a question that specifically you have, it's helpful if you tell me about your age and where are you calling from so I can give you more specific details. So as I shared with you today, I'm going to focus on creating sexy New Year's resolutions. So I wanted to start with telling you that why resolutions does not work for most people. You know, I was looking at statistic and 9.2% of people only achieve their New Year's resolutions. So chances are the rest of us that we kind of create these resolutions, we fail. And I genuinely believe that it's better not to set a resolution, set a resolution and fail because we want to set our brain for success. You want to tell yourself that if I make my mind to doing something, I'll go ahead and do it. So if if you're setting up this lofty goal and you, you know you're not going to get there, your brain gets trained into, you know, I'm a person that kind of makes these decisions and never follow through. So it's very important to talk about 
how how are you what are you going to set up as your goal as your resolution and how are you going to get there i wanted to first talk about why you need a new year sex resolution so another study that i was looking at showed that one in five married couples has a sexless marriage so sexless marriage the definition is having sex less than 10 times per year and one in three non-married couples who've been together for two years or longer, they also have a non-sexual relationship. So it's not about being a long-term relationship and being married. It is the challenge that many, many couples and individuals have. And there was this other study that was talking about millennials are less interested in having sex. And okay, if, if you're not interested in having sex, okay, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're asexual, that's an orientation. There's nothing wrong with that. But that is not what I see in my practice, in my friends, in my colleagues. Sex is one of those things that our people are very interested about and talk. they want to talk about it. As you guys know, I work with eating disorder as well. So when I tell people, you know, I specialize in eating disorder, it's just like, I'm like, oh, great, what a hard work. And there's no follow-up. But when I t- tell people I, I do sex therapy, I get like people get excited. They have all sorts of questions. It happens to me all the time because sex is great and we all want to have more of it. We want to have better quality of sex. And it just, and I think many people are just stuck. They don't know what to do. Their desire faded away in their long term relationship. They now struggle with erectile dysfunction. They're not able to achieve orgasm. So many things. And they don't know where to go and they don't know what to do. That's why I thought it would be important to talk about setting sexual resolutions that will help you to reach there. And also I wanted to talk about the resolutions, things you can do that will, that will help you based on research. So I'm going to talk about the research on each of them, each one of these. If you want to check out the like primary studies and few of the selected studies that I reviewed, you can go to my show notes. Okay, first resolution. I'm going to get enough sleep because sleep and sex, they are related. And studies after studies, I, was, I reviewed, I think maybe... 12 studies yesterday in preparation for this episode. And I was, as I was reviewing, I was getting more citations and studies. So it's very, the evidence is very clear that in order to have better sex, if you have issues with sleep, you got to take care of your sleep. Sleep plays a crucial role in sexual function in men and women. It's interesting, one of the studies that was showing that men with erectile dysfunction, they were able to reverse the problem, change, making some healthy lifestyle changes. And a big part of it was improving their, their sleep. And the study was published in Journal of Sexual Medicine. And numerous other studies, there was just this other study that was published in 2018 very fresh, and they looked at 703 American between age of 18 and 65 to look at the sex and sleep relationship. And the result was that they found a significant connection between insomnia severity and sexual function. 
And it's not only about if you're struggling with insomnia. There were studies talking about sleep apnea and sex, talked about lack of sleep and sex. Sometimes we're not sleeping because we're stressed out. And again, if you want to check out the studies, you can go to my show notes and sexologypodcast.com. You'll find a link to it, but it wasn't certainly only for men. It was for men and women. Another study was published in 2010 in a sleep medicine journal, sleep science journal 2016. You get the idea. This, this is an area that's well-researched. And it's interestingly less sexy because when people coming into, come into my practice, they say, oh, I want to change this kind of lack of interest, desire, or I want to work on my sexual challenges and erectile dysfunction. When I ask them about the sleep, they kind of get surprised. Why is she asking me all, all of these questions? But it's interesting that how changing something as easy as changing your sleep habit can change your sexual functioning. And it's backed up by science. And even in men, they were talking about how getting good sleep helps with boosting your level of testosterone. So if you're not sleeping well, it can impact your testosterone levels. So you probably think, okay, enough of this kind of like citation and talking about studies. Tell me what I need to do. So this is an area that I work with many of my clients about it. First, you need to have a good kind of grasp of how much are you sleeping? What is, where is the challenge is? If, because if you're struggling with sleep, most likely you know that. Most people wake up exhausted when they have issues with sleep or they laying in their bed restless for hours and hours or they wake up in the middle of the night. So first step, and this is something I've done actually last year because I've noticed that, oh my God, I'm, I'm exhausted when I wake up and I was feeling I was getting enough sleep, but that wasn't the case. So what first step is track your sleep. There are several apps that they can do that. If you have a smartphone, I tracked it using my Fitbit. I hated wearing it in bed because of the light and everything, but it worked out and gave me good data. It shows you where are you as far as like staying asleep and waking up. And also it maps the different stages of sleep. So what happened, I realized I was barely getting uh, REM sleep. And it gives you all sorts of information. So if you don't know anything about sleep, it tells you what is the national average is, and you can kind of Google, okay, I don't do well on first phase of sleep. What does that mean? So you need to track it in order to see, is it the quality of the sleep? Is this the me waking up? Because if you have the kind of first, many people with sleep apnea, they wake up and you don't need to, like, it's not like you're wide awake. So you would know that you woke up. For most people, it's like lack of oxygen, like waking a few seconds and they going back to sleep. But that interrupts your sleep cycle. So very important to do that. There are, if you don't have apps, there's, you don't need to worry about it. You can just track it on the piece of paper. I look in online and if I find a good sleep log that I like, I leave it in the show notes. But you can just Google like a sleep log and there are tons of them out there. And you can check out my website. So I'll, I'll make sure I, I leave one there. And all it is, it tells like kind of you marking where you go to sleep, when you wake up, if you're waking up in the middle of the night, and are you feeling well rested, not well rested, and all of those things. So 
first step would be kind of like monitoring your sleep. And I would say like maybe do it for a week, kind of monitor it for a week and see what are some of the data that you're collecting. So if, if it happens that you realize that uh, your sleep, you're not getting enough sleep, don't worry, there's sometimes the fixing the sleep problems are relatively easy. So I went to this conference a few years ago on sleep medicine and the physician who was one of the uh, forerunner of uh, sleep uh, medicine who was telling us that he was practicing for 15 years and in the 15 years that he was practicing, helping people exclusively with their sleep, the only the, he, he, I think he said like, I prescribe medication less than five times. Most of the time, most people, we don't need medication. We're over-medicated. We take the sleep medication. Uh, we wake up tired next day. We take naps and it just kind of ruins our sleep the, the entire next day as well. So the basic things you can do is called sleep hygiene. Extremely important. I want you guys to go and check out. I leave the list of few of them on the website. But I want you guys to go like maybe print it and kind of like review it each day and make commitment that you're not going to do these things. So sleep hygienes are these routines that you need to have and you need to do all of them. And I can tell you, I see it every day in my practice that it changes people's quality of sleep drastically. So some of them are kind of getting up the same time each day, seven days a week. You're going to bed same time, waking up same time. For example, if Saturday and Sunday, there's no point for you to catch up on sleep because all of this catching up can ruin your sleep cycle next day. So you're making a commitment. Okay, I want to get this amount of number of hours per night and I make commitment in next two, new, two three weeks. I'm going to make sure that I'm, I'm going to get up the same exact time. Other thing that you all heard is we want to make sure that your bedroom is free from light and noise. One of the challenges I had is I had notification in my iPhone and I was kind of lighting up in the middle of the night and even that impacted my sleep. So what you need to do is just like to hide your phone. If your alarm is on your phone, you can like put it on the drawer somewhere that you cannot see your phone or clock. Because what happens is people waking up, looking at the clock, that makes them anxious and it's hard to go back to sleep. One of the so important one is avoid naps. Because when we are having challenges sleepers, what happens is that we're taking these mini naps the following day because we want to catch up, quote unquote, catch up with sleep. But staying awake during the day help us to fall asleep at night the following day. So there are about like 14, 15 of them. And I want you guys to kind of make a commitment that I'm going to next... 30 days, I'll make sure that I'll follow through with this recommendation. Super easy, but it can be very powerful. And if you feel that this is something that's not still, you implemented this and you're still struggling, I highly recommend you seeing a professional. So if you find that your sleep block is normal and you're doing sleep hygiene and you're doing all of it, not selected few, and you're still struggling, you can go get sleep studies and their labs that they do that all around the world. And I think many of the insurances, they cover the cost. Or you can see a psychologist that specializes on sleep. I took this 
year-long course in sleep psychology and I'm trained in cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. We can work together. You can give me a call or you can call my colleagues. Okay, the second possible resolution for you could be practicing mindfulness or yoga or both. So side note is I don't want you to commit to doing all of these things that I'm going to say, like all of these resolutions, because the key to have good and successful New Year's resolution is like choosing something small and kind of like when you succeed with that, when you kind of like taught your brain that, okay, I'm a person who stays with my word, you can move on to the next one. Because if you're creating like all of these things and all of these changes in your life, you will not be able to complete all of them. So definitely choose either sleep or mindfulness and, or the other things that I'm going to mention. So about the mindfulness, one of the leading psychologists who did the studies on mindfulness and sexuality, Dr. Lori Broto, I interviewed her on episode 74, and she talked extensively about her research, benefits of mindfulness practices and uh, sexual desire. So definitely go back and check that episode if you haven't checked it. And in her study, she found that uh, even as, as low as like four sessions of mindfulness was helpful with women to increase their sexual desire. Her study called Group Mindfulness-Based Therapy significantly improved sexual desire in women. I leave a link in the show notes to that study. But if you're new to this, if you're thinking, what is mindfulness? So mindfulness is kind of intentionally paying attention to what's happening to what you're doing, to your surrounding. The important is being intentional. You want to be present in the moment, but you're not getting hooked and you're not reacting to what's going on in your surrounding. It's funny, when I was growing up in Iran, I don't know, like 10 years ago. (laughs) No, about like 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Like meditation was this kind of a luxury thing that like some selected few were able to do it. And people had to uh, kind of, it was kind of a, appeared very unachievable. Like people who are kind of like profit-like, being very present all the time. That's why, and I found that that's a, a a stereotype that many people have. And it doesn't mean that you have to be present and mindful all the time. That's not possible for anyone. But the idea is that for you to set aside some time and practice kind of being intentionally paying attention to what's going on in your body, what's going on with your breathing, your surrounding. So you're training your brain, you're training this muscle that helps to be more present. And again, several studies show that it helps with low desires. And also, like many of the sex therapy books recommend that for people who have issues with achieving orgasm or other sexual dysfunction. So the other one is yoga. So there was a studies in Journal of Sexual Medicine again that showed that people who were there was a study of 40 women that they practiced yoga and it helped them to be able to increase their desire, arousal. It helped with their issues around orgasm. And it's interestingly that they were talking about that this yoga move doesn't need to be fancy. You don't need to be able to do headstand. As long as you're doing, having some movement and focusing on your breathing, it can 
definitely, first of all, boost your mood and also helps with your sexual functioning. So if you're thinking about, oh my God, okay, how, how am I going to be able to do it? Again, this is something else that I see all the time, people getting results. With mindfulness, I highly recommend you start with something small. So saying that maybe every day I practice three minutes of mindfulness. Most people have challenges doing it without using an app or any kind of guided meditation kind of thing. You can search, uh, there are many websites and apps that they offer mindfulness, meditation, guidance. You can do, go to Headspace is the one I recommend to my clients. It has like five minutes meditation, mindfulness, that kind of Andy, the guy who runs this mindfulness thing, that I think is a part owner or owner of the Headspace, his wonderful voice. He has like great instruction on what to do. Or you can go to Inside Timer, which is an app, and you can search mindfulness, like three minutes mindfulness. You can search based on your, based on the number of the minutes you want to do, what kind of voices you want. But the key is just do it. Like put it in your schedule. Usually people find success with it if they are kind of putting it part of their morning routine or bedtime routine. Again, three minutes. As The idea is just for you to start doing it. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. Don't get disappointed if you get distracted. Just stay with it. And I personally, so I, I use Headspace for years. And now then I upgraded to Muse, which is a kind of a biofeedback-ish instrument that you wear. So it has the instruction kind of guided meditation thing. And it tracks your kind of brain waves. And you see is how many times you got distracted, uh, what was going on for you. And as you, by this point, you probably realize I love data. <laughs> so this, this work me, helped me a lot and kind of has this kind of reward system, which can be very encouraging. If you want to do yoga, you know, yoga is wonderful. And I recommend you, maybe if you haven't done it at all, many people feel intimidated going to a studio or it it can be costly. There are tons of places in in YouTube that you can search like kind of yoga for this, yoga for meditation, for sleep, for any kind of things. And you can just start with doing maybe five minutes of yoga using a free video. And if you like it, if if you feel like I got it, I'm able to do it then you can add to it or you can sign up for the class. The idea, I think one of the reasons we kind of leave our New Year's resolution is that we kind of choose something that requires drastic change in our schedule. For example, if you're super busy and you have no time to eat or breathe, you're probably not going to take an hour every day to go to yoga studio at the beginning. But maybe you can do five minutes of yoga in between clients or you can do five minutes of yoga when you wake up. But that, that is something else that can change your sexual functioning as well. Okay, so the next one is one of my favorite ones. Say, kind of, I think it's important to focus on it. So if you choose one, because if you want to change your sex life, is this one. Making a commitment that you're going to do a longer foreplay this year. 
So one thing that I see, one of the things I commonly see in men and women in my practice, they're telling me like I have issues with arousal, orgasm. And when they walk me through their sexual functioning and like their routine, it seems like maybe they have like five minutes of foreplay and then they jump into kind of intercourse or oral sex or other stuff. That's not foreplay. Men and women, we both mostly, most people, they need to have enough foreplay to be able to feel aroused. And yes, there might be some times that you might not need it. But majority of the time, majority of people above age 20, they need foreplay most of the time. There was this study in Journal of Sexual Research that they looked at men and women. They studied 152 heterosexual couples. And they kind of talked about the ideal duration of foreplay and intercourse. And it was interesting that women and men both were kind of the assumptions that they had about the amount of foreplay that their partner wants was significantly lower than the reality. And it's not only women that they require and need foreplay. Many of my male clients are telling me, oh my God, I have issues with reaching, getting erected. And when we talk about, okay, how long do you do foreplay? It's not enough. So I highly, highly recommend that this year kind of making commitment that I'm going to minimum, minimum dedicate 20 minutes to foreplay before moving to intercourse. I can tell you it can improve the quality of the uh, sexual experience you're having, can be more connecting. It can all around improve your sex life if that's something you're not doing. And I don't want you to, I want you to maybe even track it that, okay, 20 minutes, I'm going to look at the clock for 20 minutes. Not the sexiest way, but I'm I just, I'm, I'm saying that because I want to make a point because most people are kind of thinking, okay, I, I think I'm ready or my partner is ready, but you, we need foreplay. Everyone needs foreplay. I think <laughs> by this point, you get it. So if you feel you're doing, you're having enough foreplay in your sexual life or you're already doing 20 minutes, one other thing that you can kind of put in the kind of like your toolbox is that I'm going to try different ways, different things during foreplay. Because some other thing that, uh, one of the other things that I hear in my practice that people saying it kills their kind of desire is just having this routine. Sex become more uh, boring because they know, okay, my my wife going to do first, we're going to make out or my husband going to make out and they're going to kiss me and then we're going to move on to this, that, and then intercourse. Knowing what comes next, that can kind of cause some, Lack of energy and excitement around during sex. So if you feel like you're doing enough foreplay, I recommend you maybe saying, you know, every month I'll add something, I'll try something new during foreplay. We can do role playing. That could be one one of those things. Maybe we can do sensual massage during foreplay. Maybe during foreplay we can read erotica together. Or I can like try this new teasing technique. Whatever it is, I want you to kind of give it a chance at least once and see if you're liking it. And focus mostly on yourself because I feel sometimes we are kind of too focused on other person and that kind of causes us to have this anxiety around sex and issues and resentment. So 
But at first, focusing, obviously, you want to be consensual with your partner, but okay, what would I like for foreplay? And kind of checking it out with your partner if it's something kind of out of norm, ordinary that you guys do, if she's on board or he's on board, and just do it. Or kind of wearing this, I'm going to once a month, I'm going to wear this like very racy lingerie or number of different things. You can, you can do a quick Google search and get some ideas. But it's important that you make the commitment that you're going to increase the time you're for, to your foreplay or you're going to try something new. That's, that's something else. Okay, the last resolution idea that I have for you is scheduling sexy time. I know I hear it all the time from my clients that they're saying that, they're telling me that, you know, I want sex to be spontaneous. And if I'm scheduling sex, it just takes away the excitement. Before you're going there, I can tell you that unless you're scheduling sex, you're certainly having less sex than what, how much you would like to have. Because you schedule most of the important plans in your calendar so why not putting sex on the calendar? It doesn't mean that it's, it is not going to be fun. And it doesn't mean that now it's a chore. But you need to have it in calendar in order to tell yourself and your partner that this is a priority. Remember that the, the, like the couples that I mentioned that they're in sexless marriages, I bet they, they, haven't, they didn't start with uh, saying that, oh, I want a sexless marriage. What happened that they kind of grew out of having normal sex. So in order for you to not get there, you need to put it on a schedule. And I can give you an example of so many great things that there, things are great, but if it's not on your schedule, uh, you're not going to do it. I'll give you an example from my personal life that I had this wonderful group of friends when I was an undergrad in UCSD. We used to hang out every day. So we, we were going to classes, having lunch together, studying after together, after after school together. So we, we were very close for four years, very close. So they know me, I think, better than my husband because we spent so many hours together. I truly love and cherish the, those friendships. But fast forward, I don't know, like 15, 20 years later, right now, I see them maybe once a year for a wedding or some major event. So what happened is one of, one of my friends from that time, we wanted to catch up maybe for a year and a half. Finally, we put it on the calendar, say, okay, we're going to do that. And, and we were in local here, both in LA. He lives in uh, downtown. I live here. And so and I, by the time we, we saw each other, it was wonderful. But we were making fun, that, that fun of the situation, that how hard it was to kind of like motivate ourselves to get out of our house. He was he had this kind of has demanding work schedule and saying, oh my God, I was driving 40 minutes. I was thinking, oh my, if, if this friendship worth it. And I was telling him that I was thinking, oh my God, what can I what kind of excuse I can use to get out of going to dinner with him. And it wasn't like that I didn't want to see him. It was wonderful when I met up. We had an excellent time. And I was thinking to myself why I didn't want to do it sooner. But the idea of me, like after a long working day, getting ready, kind of getting in the car and all of that sounded like drag to me. And I'm sure you can relate in so many great things in your life that you want to do it. So when you're doing it, you're excited. But like doing it in the process of getting there, it sounds like too much work. So unless you're having it on a calendar, sex cannot be a, that sexes will not happen as frequent. 
notice that I said sexy tie. I didn't say sex tie. So what happens is um, I don't want you to feel pressure that kind of this turns to this kind of anxiety provoking situation that all nights you're worrying about, oh my God, if I'm ready to have sex, if I'm aroused, if I'm going to have erection, if I'm going to reach orgasm and all of that. I want you to carve out a time, like maybe a daytime, that you and your partner can connect and you have a good enough environment if things lead to sex then you can have sex. For example, one of my friends was telling me that we have this in my schedule. We drink wine every Friday night after I get home and that's our thing. And what I was telling him that, well, what if, do you think you can have sex afterwards? Because he has young children. And if you have young children like three and four and you're having wine at 5 p.m., if you want to have sex... Most likely, it's going to be hard to do it. You can manage to do it, but it's going to be lots of like two additional steps that you need to take. So make sure you have a time that you're connecting, doing something that's connecting, whether it's like kind of doing some kind of game together, reading together, doing some kind of fun activity that preferably is not watching TV because when you're watching TV or movie together, usually people zone out and that's not connecting. and. Also, you want to make sure you have opportunity to have sex if that's something you guys want to to do. And it gives the message to you, yourself, and your partner that sex is important, connecting with my partner is important, and this is something I'm going to focus on next year. So these are the few of the recommendations I had for sexual resolution for this year. And I want to hear your thoughts as well. So if you, you make commitment to do one of them, Please let me know in social media. My handle in all, all different accounts is at Oasis2Care, O-A-S-I-S, number two care. You can tweet at me. You can tag me. I want to hear how you're doing and your resolutions. And I can, I'll put it on my Instagram as far as like how much of a progress I'm making in some of these things. I haven't made a commitment to either of these. I do the mindfulness regular basis, but I want to make sure that I'm, I'm choosing one of these things to do. And you can keep me accountable with kind of tagging me on social media as well. We're toward the end end of our show. I wanted to ask you if you listen to this show, you like it, please take a moment and leave us an honest review in iTunes. It's tremendously helpful to this show because it reaches, uh, it helps us to reach a broader audience. I love you guys. I hope you have had a wonderful and safe New Year's and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.